we started last Sunday talking about the God of impossible. And sometimes we kind of get into a habit of truly believing that he's impossible. What we've believed for, what we've asked, is impossible for him to actually respond. Because we're not seeing the answer. We've asked and nothing's changed. We've asked and what we, what we ask, it's, nothing's happening. So obviously, the problem can't be me. The problem has to be God. The problem obviously can't be me because, you know, as humans, we're so perfect and holy and we don't do anything wrong. Well, that's the lie we tell ourselves. Because when we really start looking at who, who God is <coughs> and the wonderfulness that he is, his word is true. God never fails. God never fails. So who's moving? Maybe we've gotten to a point in our lives that we really weren't trusting God. Maybe we're, we're actually at a point in our lives where we say it, we give lip service, but we really don't believe it. Kind of recap some of what we talked about last week out of Second Kings. There was a battle going on. And the king of Syria was trying to, to conquer this land. But every time they would make a move, this land that they were opposing was already there and ready. And they'd get back in their huddle again. they said, we've got to go attack. What are we going to do? So they'd come up with another plan. And they would, would strategize, and we're going to go this direction. We're going to go about it this way. And all of a sudden, they would get there, and this other nation was already there. Don't you get tired of playing sometimes and realizing every direction you go, there's a block? Don't you get tired of every time you go in a direction and you think you're, you're outsmarting the enemy or you're outsmarting this or that, and it's already right there again? Well, that's how this king of Syria felt. He's like, okay, guys, this, this Israel group, this, this nation, they're not that good. They can't know every plan that's happening. Obviously, there's somebody in my circle that's for the other side. And they said, no, there's a man in that nation that hears from God. And God's telling him our plans. God's giving him direction. And he's telling the king, he's telling them, this is the area where they're coming. And they're strategizing on themselves and they're positioning themselves. Let's jump into to verse 14. So this king of Syria decided, you know what? If he's really a man of God, let's go take him out. Verse 14. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses 
and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Those who are with us are more than those that are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened his eyes, opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. It wasn't the fact that all of a sudden there was an army that appeared. What happened was the servants' eyes were opened. They were open to see spiritual things, things that are unseen, beyond what we're seeing in the midst of us right now. It wasn't that because he prayed, all of a sudden God goes, Oh, i got to position somebody. Where do I go? Put them here. And he, he began to strategize. They were already there. And if you look at this closely, and he said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Elisha didn't pray for his eyes to be opened. Where Elisha was operating in that moment and season, he did not need to see with his physical eyes that God was responding. He prayed that the servant would see. He prayed that the servant would see something that was going on. The battle that you're seeing, the battle that you're feeling around you, you're not in this battle by yourself. You're not having to say, God, please, please come and help me. What you need to be praying is, Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes that I may see what's really going on. Open my eyes that I can see what the enemy is doing and what the enemy is strategizing. Open my eyes to see you in a way I've never seen you before. Because he's already there. It's time as believers that we position ourselves out of only looking at what we're seeing in the physical. To begin to see what's happening in the spiritual. Because there is another realm of reality. We call it spirituality, but it's a reality. It is real. The unseen, the supernatural is real. And what God's doing and what he's preparing you for is to begin to see and operate with an understanding of what's happening beyond the reality that we live in day by day. Andrew Womack said it like this. Those who see faith as an attempt to make something real, which isn't real, will always struggle with those who see faith as simply making what is spiritually true a physical truth. We've got to get out of the habit of saying, well, those are two separate. That, 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 that unseen, the supernatural, well, it might be. It is. And if we begin to operate our lives with the reality that, that the supernatural is reality, you'll begin to see things happen. You'll begin to see your prayers avail much. Because you're not begging for God to show up on the scene, you're realizing that God is already on the scene. You're seeing with things that you're beyond, I've got a sickness, I've got an ailment, I've got, a, uh, I've got whatever problem is going on. And you begin to see that He's already there. So then you begin to pray from a level of, He's here, I'm here, 
help me to join with him. Because now I'm not begging him to show up. I'm not begging him, oh God, please, please come, please be a part. Because I can't see with the supernatural. Because I'm not choosing to see with the supernatural. But how do you do that? You've got to put God's word on the inside of you. You've got to put God on the inside of you. Let's pray. Lord, (laughs) today, God, I ask that you open our eyes. God, that the faith that on the inside of us would begin to rise, that we open our eyes spiritually to begin to see and to begin to operate in the reality of the kingdom of God. That we begin to operate in the reality that the supernatural, the things beyond of what we're dealing with day to day, are real. God, that we begin to trust you at your word. Now, God, I pray that we would see you and hear you. And that the liar, the enemy of our souls, would no longer have control over our mind, control over our hearts. But today, Jesus, that you would open our hearts to hear you. And have an encounter with you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 17. Another incredible story. Another incredible reality. That we are going up against something that we don't understand when we're operating strictly on the physical. When we simply come and we simply pray, seeing with physical eyes. And Jesus rebuked the demon. And it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. He was being thrown into the fire. He was having epileptic seizures. He was having problems. And the disciples went and said, hey, we got this. We can do this. And they stepped in and things weren't changing. Things weren't happening. You ever prayed for something? And not seen something happen? So often from a, from a Christian perspective, we stand from the perspective of not did we pray for something and not happen. And we were like, oh, I knew it would. We come from a perspective of I keep praying and nothing happens. Why am I even praying? Because there's a level of understanding with Scripture. With the realm of the supernatural that we don't want to look into. Because it takes dying to ourselves. It takes us saying no to the what, what we want. And I don't want to die to the what I want. But for me to die to the what I want, I have to die to the what I need. I have to go through a moment in my time that I say, okay, God, I'm sick and tired of praying for something and feeling like my prayers don't avail much. That I'm just praying through something and I'm just going through the routine. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. He didn't say because of your lack of faith. Because of your unbelief. You doubted. You doubted that the supernatural was real. You doubted that what what was going on was bigger than just a kid that was sick. There was something behind the scenes pulling the strings. And you only get to this point of seeing these things and beginning to see the puppet master behind that's pulling the strings when you begin to see the unseen. 
when you begin to say, God, show me what you see. Help me see what you see. And he said, however, this kind of stuff takes some dying to yourself. Some making plans strategically in your day. To not just say, you know what, I'll pray when I get home. Because, you know, when I get home, I'm always so full of energy. I just want to go do something. I want to go to a quiet place after a long day of work. Go into my prayer closet. Listen to that air conditioning. And I know that when I get home from work, I'll be good to pray. Yeah. We've all said that. Three minutes into it, the sound of that that air conditioner puts me right to sleep. Why? Because really and truly, it wasn't priority in my life. I was doing it because I, I felt the gravitational pull. I knew something was pulling me to it, but I'm really not willing to say no to my flesh. I'm not willing to say no to me. And if you want to see what's really happening, if you want to see what's real the real reality of what's going on? Who's behind the sicknesses that we're not seeing broken? Who's behind the people that we're seeing that are having issues, the drug addictions? It's not the drug. The drug is a gateway. What's going on is the positioning that's going on in the unseen behind the manipulation of the drug. It's the puppet master behind the drug. It's the puppet master behind the pornography. It's the puppet master behind all of these things that we need to see. Because as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, as what I would hope at some point we could call ourselves disciples of Jesus, following whatever his word says, going wherever his word says to go, That we can see with the unseen and we see the puppet master behind the addiction. We see the puppet master that's controlling it. That's the mountain that we've been given authority to speak to. The authority that we've been given to speak to a mountain and have it cast into the sea is not meth. It's It's not alcohol itself. The drink. It's not, it's not the pornographic images specifically. What we've been given authority to through Jesus Christ is to see with the unseen and speak to the puppet master behind that addiction and tell that puppet master that he has to go. Why are we not seeing what we're seeing? Because we're speaking to the wrong thing. We're speaking to the wrong thing. To look at the meth addict and tell him in the name of Jesus, meth, get out. It's not meth. There's something deeper. There's something on the unseen that we're not seeing with our physical eyes. There's times that when you go and pray for somebody, if you're really trying to hear what God's saying, God will tell you, hold up. Don't lay hands yet. Why? Because you're switching in that moment from a realm of reality seeing to a realm of seeing what God's seeing. God, I ask in the name of Jesus to show me how to pray. Don't let me just pray vain repetitions. But God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you give me a reality of what's really going on in their life. So that I can speak to that mountain 
not to what I'm actually seeing with my physical eyes. Because that's why we're not seeing things change. We're not seeing the unseen because we truly doubt that the unseen is even real. Surely it can't be that simple. Surely this addiction, there's got to be something more to to this addiction than something on the other side like a puppet master controlling the addiction. It's really that simple. If we would realize the authority that we have as Jesus followers, as kingdom of God followers, he's caused us to step into this world of reality, to see with the eyes of Jesus. What did he see when he prayed for the boy that was having epileptic seizures, that was throwing himself into the fire? He didn't say, well, in the name of Jesus, let the epilepsy stop. Jesus saw with something that he's asking us to see with. To see with the unseen. To look past the epileptic seizures that he was having. To the root. He didn't, he didn't pray over him. He commanded the enemy to come out of him. The puppet master. He spoke to the real mountain. The mountain that we can only see when we look with unseen eyes. But it takes us being willing to die to ourselves. To begin to believe that he truly is a God of the impossible. Why do we feel it's impossible? Because we're not willing to die to ourselves. And it's not fun. It's not fun to say no to ourselves. It's not fun if, you, if you're walking through a season that God says, you know what? It's time, to, it's time to step out of that area. It's time to say no to a season of, of, of fasting in this area. It's time to say no to, to going here or going there and just stop. Our wires in our head are not made to stop. Why? Because we've allowed our wires to crisscross on the inside of us. That being in silence and solitude is scary. Are you kidding me? Alone with my thoughts? Do you know what's in my head? What better way to get what's in your head eradicated out of your head than to be in solace and solitude with the creator of the universe that has an opportunity to take all the wires on the inside of your head and begin to take them and put them back into order. How do you become a disciple of Jesus? It's hard. The easy road is to say, you know what? Yea to my flesh. But the reward is so great when you begin to walk into this dying to yourself. John 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they'd ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. You ever had your mom come up and do that? There's something going on, and your mom comes up and goes, hey, there's something going on. You need to fix it. And Jesus, who knows him better than his mother? Who knows him better than his mother? But Jesus didn't look at her and go, yes, mom. Okay, mom. He said, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? I like the way he responded. I'm joking. We're supposed to be like Jesus, so, you know. (laughs) What What is this you concern me? My hour hasn't come yet. But his mom knew something on the inside of him that not everybody else did in that moment. 
That mom saw something on the inside of Jesus that not everybody else had seen. And Jesus, even in that moment going, what are you talking about? This is not my hour. This is not the time. She said, even when he responded and said, what are you talking about? This is not my time. She said, do whatever he says to do. Don't listen to what he just said. You do whatever he says he's going to do because he's going to listen to me. And so what did he do? He had them fill jars of water. And in those jars of water turned to not only wine, but according to what they said, it was the best wine. When Jesus comes in and does something, he does it right. He does it right. And maybe in our religious circles today, we would go, he made water into wine? Does he not know what that leads to? Does he not know that that is alcoholism? What is he doing? But his first miracle was performing this in such a way that these guys that were already in the room, that were probably already a little toasted. They even recognized, because the custom was, when they got toasted, bring out the cheap stuff. They're not even drinking it for the flavor anymore. But yet, even in this, they recognized that this was better than the first. When Jesus speaks into a situation, we have an opportunity to see with two sets of eyes. We can see with our physical what he did. But we can see with the physical that he can take what seems like nothing and turn it into something. He can take you in whatever area you're going in or whatever area you're operating in that you feel like a zero. That you feel like you're a nothing. He has the ability to change you from the inside so that you know you're a value. And when he makes you a value and you realize you're a value, it's like you're the best. Not only, not only was it just wine, but it was the best wine. His abilities to change you, to radically change you, are real. And then we look at this. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And now the Passover feast, the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test them, for he himself, he knew what he was going to do. Now, testing is like a good school teacher. I'm not saying every school teacher is a saint. I'm not saying every school teacher is the best. But a school teacher will give a test because they know they have given their kids, their students, everything that they need to be able to make a hundred on that test. They give them a test so that we as students that are taking the test will bring things that are in our mind that have gone down to bring them back up so that we'll remember those things. A good teacher will not give a test that she hasn't already prepared her students for. She's not going to give them a test that she didn't give them the answers to it. She's not going to give them a test that says what is 2 plus 2 if she hadn't taught what 2 plus 2 is. 
This was not a thing that we go, oh, God's coming out to test us. To to see if we're, he's wanting you to pull from what's already deep on the inside of you. To hear and see with supernatural eyes what God is about to do. It's already on the inside of you. The test comes from him saying, what do you think we should do? Because he's already put it on the inside of you. And you look inwardly, you go, okay God, help me to see with supernatural eyes. And you begin to see and operate, seeing the supernatural. Because he already knew the miracle he was about to perform. To take a few loaves and a few fish. And feed thousands. To the point that they didn't just have enough. They had more than enough. Nobody should have walked away hungry. Yet Jesus wants to perform the same miracle in your life and through your life in everyday life. The same type of thing. God, I don't understand how my checking account's going to make it from the ninth day of this month all the way to the very last day of this month. I don't understand. But God, I know that if you can take a few loaves and a few fishes, help me to see with supernatural eyes on even how I can be a good steward. Or, or what I can do to help this money stretch from point A to point B. Not just, not just wait for a happen chance. But to begin to see with supernatural eyes. You have to begin to ask, God, open my eyes to see. Open my eyes to see as you see. So that I can be who you called me to be for today. God's voice is real. And God's voice that he's wanting to speak to you is real. He's wanting you to begin to see that he truly is the God of the impossible. We get here and we get to this this vision. The hand of the Lord was upon me. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. And he set me down in the middle of the valley. And it was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. God's telling you, in this vision, in this thing that he was seeing, he was seeing it as a nation, a nation that was dead. And God said, I'm not done yet. Jesus, God himself, could have breathed out and caused those dry bones to get flesh, to cause those dry bones to become bone to bone again. To line up in the order that they were created. But God said, that's not what I'm saying. I've given you authority. I've given you power. Your words have matter. 
Your words mean something. You speak because I'm speaking through you. You're the vessel that I'm using. You speak. You breathe. You breathe to a nation. You speak to a nation. There's people around this country that you, you see and you go, you know what? This is God's judgment on our nation. This nation is dead. It is dead. But there is an awakening coming. There is a revival, a great awakening that's already being seen. That people are stepping out in boldness. And they're speaking to the dry bones. They're looking behind the circumstances to the puppet master behind them. And they're speaking to that. And they're speaking that it's time for this nation that breath come back into this nation, that muscle come back onto the bone, that skin cover this body, and that the body of Christ, this nation, rise and be who she was called to be, to operate in power. But he's calling it to the church first. He's telling the church, it is time to wake up. And he's telling you as individuals, not just men and women from a platform, from a pulpit, but he's calling you as ministers of the gospel to speak, to pray, to proclaim, to speak forth life, to breathe life on the situations, to breathe life on the dead bones. Because these bones just weren't just dead. They were very dry. The church has been very dry. The church has been very lethargic. The church has been very passive aggressive. I don't want to stir anything up. I don't want to rattle any cages. I just want to go to church, have my Jesus moment, get my cup filled back up to three quarters, and go back to normal. What he's saying is it's time to reevaluate what normal is. It's time to reevaluate what normal is. He's calling you, you as individuals. He's given you authority. He's given you power to look into your homes, to look in and see with spiritual eyes what's going on with your children, and to look at the puppet master behind it and speak to that mountain and tell it to get the heck out of Dodge. Tell it to get the heck out. It has no authority. But you have to take the power that's already yours. You have to stop asking God, Lord, give me the power. You've got to see with unseen eyes. You already have the power. You already have the authority. You already have everything that you need. But you have to see it with the unseen. God's calling you. To just trust him. To step out of your comfort. We interrupt this story with Mark 5. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet. And implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And Jesus went with him. But as we know, there was an interruption in the story. We've asked God, 
God, come, come and do this. Come, God, we see the puppet master. Man, I, 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 I pray that it go away and something happens around us that shakes us. And we're like, oh no, my prayer didn't avail much. Oh no, what's going to happen? It's not responding right now. But yet all along, Jesus was on a journey. Don't think that Jesus truly didn't have a clue what was going on. Don't fool yourself that Jesus was shocked. and like, well, I was on my way and, well, you know, I guess something happened. Jesus knew what was going on. And this woman with the issue of blood who got to desperate times that call for desperate measures crawled on her hands and knees knowing that if I can just touch the hem of his garment I know that this season that I'm in will be over. It was one of those things that when they saw what was going on, they had an opportunity. J. Iris had an opportunity to tell that woman, leave him alone. My daughter's in trouble. And Jesus didn't evacuate. Jesus didn't run because he knew we have to trust him. We have to trust that when we ask, he will respond. And while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Even when it seems impossible, God is a God of the possible. It's true. We look at Bible stories and go, yeah, they're just Bible stories. They're not real. They don't really happen today. They don't really happen because we're not trying to see with unseen eyes. We're not trying to see what God's, what's really happening here. We're not trying to see what God's really doing. We're not trying to live a life that's a true disciple of Jesus. But Jesus said, do not fear. Just believe. And then we learned back earlier that it was because of their unbelief that they couldn't see these great things. And here we are again. He's saying, do not fear, only believe. What do you need to do? You have to believe God's word in spite of what you're seeing with the physical eye. How do you do that? You pray for your spiritual eyes to be open. To see beyond what's going on here, to see what's going on in the next reality. And it sounds weird, and if you've never been around it, it sounds crazy. But it also says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Are the prayers you're praying now, are they working out for you? Are they, are they accomplishing everything that you want them to accomplish? And if we were all honest in this room... More than likely, we would say a whole lot of our prayers aren't getting answered. Why? Because we're speaking to something that we're seeing with our physical eyes, not addressing what's going on in the unseen. There's more to it than just somebody being sick. There's more to it than just something going on. There's more to it than just an addiction. There's more to it than just... Just a spirit of rebellion or just a rebellion attitude in itself. There's more to it. 
do you want your prayers to avail much? Begin to see with the unseen. And then back to Ezekiel. And I looked and behold there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy son of man. Say to the breath, thus saith the Lord God. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. And they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. We have to trust what God's saying. We have to begin to believe what God's saying is real. Simple obedience accomplishes great things. Simple steps of, if you're wanting to lose weight, simple steps and changing of your diet. Don't have a bowl of ice cream every night just before bed. Don't have a soda at every meal. I'm still working on the soda part. But it takes small steps. It takes baby steps that we feel like are going nowhere to begin to see. It takes dying to ourselves, saying no to our flesh. That if God's telling you that you're, it's a season to fast, and you first go, oh, that's the enemy. Get behind me, Satan. You wouldn't dare tell me to fast. I need to eat. You'll never have a perfect opportunity to fast. I promise you. You'll say you're going to fast, and all of a sudden, every friend that you haven't talked to in months calls you and says, hey, you want to go out for dinner? Hey, you want to go do this? Hey, I've got some food. Why don't you come by? Oh, I made these cupcakes. They're really good. It always happens. There's not going to be an opportunity. But if you're wanting to see God change in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your children, it takes you beginning to see with unseen eyes. Begin to see past the reality of what's here to what's really going on. That's the only way. And then lastly, in Jeremiah 32, we have to realize that what God is wanting is us to pray. Man, if you don't know what to pray, pray the Scriptures. Pray the Scriptures and come to a point that you say, Oh, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Believe it. Begin to declare it. Take this scripture. Post it on your mirror. And every day tell yourself, God, nothing's too hard for you. You say it enough, you'll begin to believe it. You say it enough that you want God to open your eyes to begin to see unseen, you'll begin to see the unseen. Because what's going on in your life, the bad that's happening, really is a spiritual attack. It's because we don't trust Him. We really don't come to a real understanding of what trust is. Because we continue to satisfy our flesh. We're not willing to say, you know what? God, whatever you need to do, I'm willing. But if you want to see your marriage saved, if you want to see your family saved, if you want to see healing in your family, you've got to know what to pray. You've got to know what to pray. And how do you do that? It's begin to pray 
what God tells you to pray. So that when you begin to see these things and you begin to experience these things, you're operating the way God wants you to operate because that's the only way that you're going to see something change. It's the only way that you're going to see your prayers avail much. You have to begin that he truly is a God. And that that God truly and really does do what we would consider impossible things. But in the kingdom of God, when we're seeing with spiritual eyes, they're not impossible. And they're not that big of a deal. When God can look at the winds and the waves and just say, be still. Do you honestly think that the things going on in your life and in your kids' lives are really that big that God goes, man, I don't know what to do today. How do I handle this? What's going on? God's already standing at the head of the boat. And he's looking into that storm, into that wind and that wave. And he's telling you, I want you to say this. Peace be still. I want you to speak into this wind and this wave. And you tell that sickness, that root cause of that sickness, that addiction. You tell that root cause of that addiction. You let go. He's standing at the head of the boat this morning. And he's telling you, speak. Speak. But how do you do it? You have to begin to see with the unseen eye. You have to begin to see what God's doing and in positions that he's in so that you know how to pray. Because there's seasons and times that God says, it's now time to deal with this. Today's your day. This is your moment. When he brings something up to you, you know those moments that we all have in those addiction cycles. Where all of a sudden you wake up this morning and you go, I'm done with this today. I'm done with this. I'm not doing this again. Here's your moment. God's standing at the head of the boat. And he's saying, all right, begin to proclaim it. I've given you authority today. Begin to say, peace be still. Addiction, stop. This is your moment. This is the time that you've got. Because there comes a season that when you continue to move, that it becomes harder. There's grace in that moment that God says, I've revealed this truth to you. But we can't do it on our own. Because we wake up and we say, I'm going to kick this addiction. I'm going to kick this drug addiction. I'm going to kick this this cigarette addiction. I'm going to kick this or that. And we go, I can do it today. And an hour later, two hours later, a day later, two days later, we're like, I can't do it. You forgot that Jesus was already standing at the head of the boat. He's given you the power. He's already spoke. He's given you the ability to say, you got to go in Jesus' name. He's given you the ability to stand on his word. But it comes through simple obedience of dying to ourselves. And that's the hard part. I don't like telling my kids, no. They want something within reason, I want to say yes. There's times that my kids have wanted something and I knew they wanted something. But I really was curious. Are you willing to ask for it? There's been times that I've had this whatever it was within the realm of my hand. 
And I know they want it. But there's something about hearing them say, Dad, I want this. Dad, I'm just thankful to be your son. Dad, I'm just, I'm just thankful to be here. To start somewhere. You're in a position right now that all of heaven is positioned on your life. The cool thing is, just because he's looking at your life or your life or your life doesn't mean he forgot about somebody else. All of heaven is paying attention to you in this very moment. Here's your moment where Jesus is standing at the head of the boat. And he's telling you, just speak. Make your petitions known. You did it Sunday. You did it last week. You made your petitions known. But did you give up this week? Did you say, well, nothing changed? I'm going to stop again. He's standing here today telling you, you can do this. I've dispatched everything that you have need of. It's in the realm of the unseen that if you'll say, God, open my eyes to the unseen. He's ready and able to defeat whatever's going on in your life. Whatever addiction's going on in your life. Whatever sickness is going on in your life. But it comes at the very edge of you saying, God, I'm ready. I'm ready. There's things that happen that in God's goodness that we get free of things. There's things that happen where healing happens. It's just a miracle of God. But a lot of times, as I've found in my life, if I want something to change, I have to recognize that Jesus is at the head of the boat. And he says, now, take a step. Be uncomfortable for a second. Because in that uncomfortableness, of that vulnerableness, of that falling out of what my comfort is. His arms are there to catch me, to hold me. This is your moment. With every head bowed, every eye closed. What God's asking you today in this moment is are you willing to trust me? Are you willing to fully trust me that I have your best? That I have your best. Dying to our flesh honestly stinks sometimes. It's hard. But the reward for this is something greater than you can imagine. Stepping out of your comfort zone into the reality that Jesus is already ahead of you. I've gone ahead of you. I've gone before you. I've prepared a path for you. It's realizing in that moment that he's already taken care of you. But he's asking you to let go of the unbelief. And to allow the faith that's already on the inside of you to flourish. So this morning as we're here. It's time to make your petitions known. It's time to step out. It's time to be uncomfortable for a moment. In the sense of. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this addiction. I'm sick of this. This whatever. 
I'm sick of this sickness. I'm sick of this disease. And the only way that I'm going to see freedom from this is to step into the obedience of Jesus. You're ahead of me. You're at the head of the boat. And you're saying, peace be still. And he's telling you to speak it. To begin to trust. Lord, I thank you. God, we honor you. Today, God, I thank you that boldness is rising forth. I thank you for a realization, Father, that you are real. And that you really do care for us. That you really do have great blessings that you want to pour out on us. But it comes when we cast out our unbelief. When we begin to say no to unbelief. When we begin to say no to the things of the world. Maybe this morning you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. And you're like, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. I can't, I can't even see Jesus at the head of the boat because I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't have a peace on the inside of me. I've never asked Jesus to be Lord of my life. Well, it's simple. It's simple belief. It's simply realizing that Jesus is real, that Jesus died on a cross, that he rose again, and that he really did forgive your sins. Because he really did. But this morning, I want to do a part with you. I want to pray with you. I want this church family to stand with you and to go with you into this battle because you're not on this battlefield all by yourself. There's, there's family here, and then there's the unseen. There's a spiritual realm that's already on the battlefield. They're ready for battle. They're ready for war for you, to stand with you, to see an overcoming spirit on the inside of you. Realize that you are more than a conqueror, because Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. But this morning, if that's you, as a simple act of obedience... I'm going to ask you to lift your hand up and we'll put it right back down. I want to pray with you. I see your hand. Is there anybody in the room? I see your hand. Anybody else in the room that says, this morning I don't know Jesus, but today I want to know him. I want to have an experience with Jesus. I want to have an experience that changes my life forever. Is there anybody else in this room? I see your hand. Jesus, we thank you. Everybody stand up with you. We're going to pray as a family this morning. And what you have to know when you pray this prayer, you don't ever have to doubt it. You don't ever have to doubt that God is real. You don't ever have to doubt that when you asked, did he really move in? Because he responds to his word. He responds. And the only access we have to the Father is through the Son. It's having Jesus on the inside of us that gives us that access. So we're going to pray as a family. And then those that raised your hands, you just need to know that you asked, God answered. That God answered what you asked. You don't ever have to doubt it. So repeat after me. Dear Jesus, today... I recognize that you died and you rose again. And today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to move in, 
to help me live a life that, that shows Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. You don't ever have to doubt that. You don't ever have to ask or question, but rest in the assurance that God loves you, that God cares for you, and that his word does not return void. What he sent forth will accomplish. You're here now. He's given you the ability to see with unseen eyes. Yeah, it's on. There it is. Amen. Give God a praise this morning. Amen. That was a good word. There's a, there's a lot of wisdom that can be pulled from what you heard this morning. How far are you willing to go? That's one of the things that God's spoken to me this week. How, how far are you willing to go, Brennan? When you talk about fasting and, and, and dying to yourself, it's a heavy, real heavy subject. And you're not fasting, you're feasting on the Lord and who He is. Drawing what you need from the source of life, the one that created you. And He wants to show you some things, not just for you, but for your family. The bonds and the curses that's been put on your family, God wants you to see that so you can speak to it and tell it to leave in the name of Jesus. Breakthrough is coming. If you didn't know it, the king's in the room this morning. He's here. God spoke something to me this morning, and I've been battling on saying it, but if someone's dealing with regret right now, and I think it's specifically could be a mother. The Lord wants you to know that you're a good mom. You're a good mom. You need to know that. And God doesn't want you to walk out with that regret this morning. So find somebody. We're up here. We have, we have a prayer team in the back. Let's combine our faith together and release this regret to the Father. And let breakthrough take place. Real quick. 6.30, Wednesday night, Robbie Moore, don't miss it. Let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we love you, God. We're so thankful for the things that you've, that you've made available for our lives, Lord. This power, Lord, to speak to the things that may be hindering us or opposes us, God. Lord, so I ask as we go throughout this week, Lord, that we're intentional in focusing on you, hearing your voice, and walking it out in simple obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.